Hi, and welcome to the Fab Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Fab Channer, and this is a space where we, we will be keeping it real, fresh, and so fabulous. I'm so glad that you are here, so let's dive in. Hi, my friends. Welcome back to the Fab Collective. I'm so happy to be bringing you another episode. Um, This is actually the last um, episode for season one. We made it. Yay. Um, When I say last episode, last full content episode, I do have a season wrap up episode after this. But yeah, 17 episodes in. I'm still like, you can probably hear that I'm smiling. I'm so grateful guys. Like this has been such a blast and I'm excited to do more and to share more and to create more. Um, so ahead of this episode, again, I just want to say thank you to each and every one of you for being along on this journey and to getting this far and to listening and to sharing your feedback and some of your experiences. Um, this is definitely a passion project for me. And I'm just so happy um, that we made it this far. So yeah, let's, uh, let's dive into today's episode. Today's episode is titled After the Storm, Healing, Learning and Growing. This episode is a continuation of actually one of my very first episodes the one after my intro episode actually titled November 17th. And that was a two part episode in that episode. I discussed my, what was probably just shy of two year battle with extreme anxiety. But at the time I didn't know that anxiety was at the root or a big trigger issue. I was experiencing so many different things with my health, um, with physical, Um, emotional, of course. And I went through a, so many tests trying to get answers while things just progressively kept on getting worse. And then coming to realize and concluding that a lot of this was deeply rooted in anxiety that was deeply rooted in trauma, childhood trauma, unresolved trauma. So if you want to hear more, about that and to just get some context for this episode, definitely press pause here and go and tune in to both November 17th, part one and part two, where I share more about this experience, which I refer to as the storm. So today, as mentioned, I'm talking more about after the storm, the healing journey, the learning, the growing, And the continuation of all of these things, because this is definitely a lifelong experience. It's lifelong work. I almost said battle, but it's not a battle. Sometimes there will be challenges. That's what life brings us. But it's a journey. It's an experience. And and there's so much opportunity for learning and growing. And I'm on the other side of this. Really grateful for that. So I do want to preface, though that this episode, as with all episodes around this, this is deeply personal. This is my personal experience. I'm going to be providing some of the things that I did, some of the 
the things that helped me get through. But that doesn't mean it will work for everyone. I'm also not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a holistic, you know, a certified holistic practitioner either. But I went in and I researched and I collected data and I made myself a priority and found a combination of things that contributed to my healing, continued to contribute to my learning and growing. So I just want to preface that because for me, in part of my journey, it was listening to others and kind of taking from some of the people I've seen that had similar experience because no one experience is exactly alike. We all have different lived experiences. But of course, did I, you know, do research that involved, you know, some recommendations from medical professionals and then people just like me who are not necessarily medical professionals, but who had similar experiences and, you know, shared some of the things that worked for them, of course. And that's one of the, one of the reasons why I'm sharing this, but I also just want to make sure that people know that finding your way is always going to be the best way. You have to find your magic combination, or maybe it's just one thing for you. Um, but find that secret sauce and melange that works for you. And that's what I did. So keep that in mind as I'm sharing with an open heart and open mind, but know that I'm not giving medical advice because I do not, I can't give medical advice. So yeah, wanted to open up with that before we jump in. So for the, so for the next, I would say 20 minutes or so, I'm going to walk through a few different steps, learnings, that I took on the other side of this to get me through what I describe as by far the most challenging time in my adult life to date. Um, The first thing I would say is that it really is okay not to be okay. We hear that so much. We see it in hashtags. We hear it in, you know, as a catchphrase sometimes even as clickbait but honestly when I think about even the time that we're in in the middle of this COVID-19 pandemic there's always so much pressure especially and not to take away from the gents but for the ladies you know some of my mom friends there's so much pressure on us to and I'm not saying I'm a mom but as women oftentimes to have it all together push through. That was a big one for me. Push through, you know, you're strong woman, push through. Um, and sometimes we don't have it all together. Sometimes we don't have, our cup is overfilling and cracks all over it. And yet we're still trying to put clear tape on it and pretend like everything is okay and present to the world, this perfectly pristine glass when meanwhile it's overflowing and cracked everywhere. So truly, one of the things that I had to accept and learn and kind of one of the first steps I took was, I'm not okay. I don't feel okay. Even when things were going haywire in my body, I felt like I had, I didn't want to inconvenience people. I was still, I said that in the, in the first episode, November 17th, I was still, you know, at work, shoving myself into work. 
I didn't want to let people down. I didn't want to inconvenience people with my issues. So when people would say, Hey, are you okay? I'd be like, yeah, I'm great. And I was not, I was not okay at all. So truly, if you're listening and you're feeling like you're just on the brink of like a meltdown or a breakdown, know that it's okay to not be okay. You don't have to always, things don't have to always be perfect. Things don't always have to be together because sometimes we need to break things down to build things up. And that was a very, very tough reality and pill for me to swallow. I, you know, I grew up in times where things weren't easy for us. Um, we didn't have a lot of money. Our socioeconomic condition wasn't awesome. And I always wanted to push through things and hustle and work. And when I felt like my body was starting to turn against me and betray me and things were happening in my body that I couldn't control and and it, it hurts, things started to hurt and not work and things like that. I still was like, okay, you know what? If, if I just, if I don't give in to the thought that I'm, that I'm not okay, then if I think hard enough that I'll be okay, that I am okay, then everything will be okay. And sometimes that's not it guys. You know, we have to give ourselves some grace. We have to give ourselves some space. So for me, it was about getting very, very honest about what what things were versus what they weren't and on the side of that like I was so I was riddled with fear fear it was such a consuming fear a fear that I've never felt before and it was this fear upon fear you know having one test and it you know waiting for those results getting another one and then like being afraid of one result now we're being afraid of the results of the other and then this and then that and then reading dr google i was paralyzed by fear but with fear also had shame and i was really ashamed that i wasn't okay i was really ashamed that i had let this happen and i had to let all that stuff all that go and i realized that fear and shame often come in their own present together they're the very best of friends and I had to really do some work on letting go of the automatic shame that I feel, that shame that kept me from asking for help, that shame that kept me from, you know, giving myself grace and, and acknowledging that it's okay not to feel okay. The shame that I felt, I'm like, no, I can't not be okay. So that was a huge step for me. And I'm not saying, you know, I believed it right away and boom, I was, my mindset changed because that was a mindset that... I believed for a very, very long time. So while I was in this two-year battle, this was things, this was behaviors, this was traumas, these, this, this was issues that were so, like they were so deeply woven within me and in, embedded within me and not dealt with. So it is okay not to be okay, my friends. The next thing for me was kind of deciding medical versus alternative. And this is a, this has the potential to be quite the rabbit hole. So I'm going to touch on it, but again, put that caveat that this was my personal decision and everyone has their personal decisions to make. For me, I personally had to get very, not had to, I chose to surrender 
And what I mean by that is that I allowed myself to be open to both options. Most that know me, and as you'll come to to know me better on this series and on this podcast, wellness, holistic health, um, alternative health, naturopath, that is something that's very big in my life. Um, not to say that like, if I cut my, my arm off today, I wouldn't be like, Oh, well, I don't need to go to the doctor. Of course I will go to a doctor. Like if you guys listen to November 17th, I practically lived at the hospital. Um, but with this, when we think, when I, I talked about shame, um, moments ago, I had this shame for me. It's like, if I, when I say medical, um, approach specifically around meds. So there was discussions around whether I should be taking meds for a period of time for the anxiety and the depression that I was experiencing. And I had a lot of shame around that thought. I had a lot of shame around a lot of thoughts, but that was a crippling one for sure. And I finally got to a point where I'm like, I'm going to be open to either. I'm not going to say no to either. I'm going to be open. I'm going to surrender to this process and listen to what my body truly needs and where it wants to go and understand that it might need to be a combination or exclusively medic, um, the medical route with my general practitioner, like my doctor or my naturopath or both. And that was a huge step for me because again, maybe there are some people that are extremely on the medical side only, and that's totally cool. Um, or some people are just extremely on the natural side and that's totally cool. Again, you got to do what works for you. But for me, it was very important because I just, I realized that part of the shame I was feeling was the shame of the stigma around potentially medicating if needed um, for mental ill health around the anxiety and the depression and the crippling fear I was experiencing. So taking that, making that space to just sit in that and just be like, I don't need to be ashamed. Like going into this, and having the discussions and being open to it, it just, it felt different. It created room, I feel like, for more healing to happen. So that was so, so crucial for me. So as I went in, um, I'm very, very grateful that I am lucky enough to have a GP who is very open uh, to alternative medicine as well. And my naturopath, she's also open to medicine. And I'll, I'll explain a little bit more. So I, I have a general practitioner. I go to Park Integrative here in the Edmonton area. And it's an integrative medicine clinic. So they have medical and holistic. And oftentimes within that practice, they work alongside. So like I have um, acupuncture, massage. They do have naturopath and, and all sorts of other alternate holistic health. And of course, they have... Um, GPs like they have doctors and while I wasn't seeing a naturopath within that clinic I was having a very open dialogue with my doctor about the discussions that I had with my naturopath and um, with my naturopath I was having conversations with her about the conversations I was having with my doctor my naturopath um, she's very open about this she too had a mental ill health breakdown. She had a failed suicide attempt. She was also medicated um, or had to be medicated. So she wasn't of the uh, state of mind where it's just like, no, you shouldn't do any drugs whatsoever. 
It's about doing what's best for the situation that I'm in. So to be able to have a conversation with both of them, oftentimes I'd have my medical doctor appointment in the day and then the afternoon I'd go see my naturopath. It was just so amazing and and incredible to be able to have those conversations because quite frankly, I had a doctor before that that didn't, I couldn't even say naturopath in there without feeling incredibly judged um, and basically like told not it's just craziness to do that and vice versa you can you can walk into naturopath i haven't experienced it but i know that can happen where you go into naturopathic clinics and they're just absolutely opposed to medical there there needs to be more of that intersection where both can work together and coexist um in my opinion not you know it's not about who's better than who it's it's what's best for the situation so it was incredibly helpful as I embrace and surrender to, you know, medical intervention might have to be an option for me. It was great to work with, you know, the team that I have where they talk to one another and they work along, like not alongside each other, but, you know, the synergies were there where I would get blood work and both of them were looking at it and they're looking at it in different ways. So that was super helpful for me. As I had the discussions, it was great because my GP, she provided, she's like, okay, you know what? You're going to be making great changes in the body if, you know, for this, if it's, you know, if you do have, we're thinking, you know, there's general, generalized anxiety disorder, great changes in the brain need to happen. Um, Here are three meds that I would potentially prescribe for you. She's like, I know the way you are, Fab go home, do your research, talk to your family, talk to your, talk to your naturopath. And at least, you know, what your options would be. I literally did exactly what she knew I was going to do. I did my research. I talked to my sister who's a nurse and brilliant and knows everything. And I of course talked to my naturopath as well, who was familiar with the medications prescribed. And again, it was just having that there as an option. And then of course, talking to my naturopath about what, you know, that, if I went the naturopathic way exclusively, what that would look like. In the end, my choice was to, you know, I sat after meeting with both my GP and my naturopath, I did choose to pursue the holistic side, but for me, and I I had this conversation with both of them, I had my backup if needed. I was having more appointments with them regularly, more check-ins with both of them Um, because I'm just like, this is where I feel I want to go right now. Um, but I'm open if this needs to change or tweak, or if we need to, if we need to switch this at any point, then it was amazing to know that I could do that at any point. And I had the support, um, and the resources available to me. So having those conversations, I hope that people can have those honest conversations. I've been, and I can't say enough about this practice because, again, I had just I'd experienced things before where I get into the doctor's office and they're writing a prescription for me two minutes in and then I'm out the door within five minutes. And it was so and it has continues to be such a different experience with my um my doctors at Park Integrative because I'm able to have a discussion and I feel heard and listened to. And they say things like, this is your choice. And I'm like, oh my God, I could cry. And one of the times I did cry. So I'm like, I'm like, you're saying that I have a choice in my own health. What? Because before I would feel like I literally had a doctor right before where I just, it was like the shame game and it was horrible. And when you already feel so much shame and then you have your GP and they're being like, oh, well, oh, it's it's not great. So 
that was huge for me and it it's continues to be and it was just so incredible and i just want to acknowledge that here um so big shout out to park integrative by the way and big shout out to my naturopath um at natural terrain So now that I had made kind of my decision, again, I had my choice there um, and I had my my team, as I call them. And it was more than just my naturopath and my GP, but they it was kind of it started with them for sure. Now it was kind of like, OK, let's let's when I say let's it was me. I, I had some work to do. And I remember feeling keep in mind that while this is happening, please understand my body is still was I as I've said it, it still was betraying me as I, as I call it there was still a lot of things happening in my body there was still palpitations like left right and center there was still um like sleepless nights there was still all sorts of things there were still specialist um tests going on um so it's not like oh I made this decision and I automatically felt 100% better that was not the case whatsoever um, but I had to start somewhere and I, I basically was like, okay, it's going to be one day at a time. And then I had my conversation again, I had a lot of self conversations, but there was another point of reflection in, in that kind of self-talk where it's like, the only way through this is through it. Again, you'd be like, duh. But in my life, I had not, I, that wasn't my default my default was pain run fight or flight it was fight flight or freeze it was never moving through it i would see the pain or i'd feel the pain whether it be physically or emotionally and i would run in the other direction and that was how and i understand more now as a child especially when i don't necessarily have the mental capacity to cope with the significant trauma that i went through that was a way that my little baby brain survived. But as an adult, I was still perpetuating those habits of just running away from the pain, which is why I pushed trauma away and then pushed or tried to push it down, 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 just like get away, get away. It would come up and I'd just find another way to look at something else because looking at it or touching it was far too painful for me. And I'm not saying that I deserved, you know, this this point in my life where it just felt like a, the culmination of trauma just kind of exploding all at once. But I had a better understanding as to why it happened. So I, again, made the decision, you know, I'm like, Christine, you got to go through this. It, and I kind of look at it like turbulence, right? You, there are some times when you're flying, I've been on flights where the captain has come on and been like, so, uh, as you guys can feel, it's been a little bit bumpy. We're going to try and go up and then they go up and it doesn't do anything. We're trying, we're going to try and go down. Nope. That doesn't work either. Sometimes they just got to ride right through it. But on the other, going through it allows you to get to that destination. And I just, I always have kind of that vision in my mind because there were so many points in my life where again, my body wasn't acting up like this, but there were so many points in my life where things would come up. And I would get, I would go in a little bit and I would stop, halt, oops, rewind, reverse out of here. And I would never quite get the result. I would never quite get to that destination. And it was fear and it was habit. So 
yes, was talking, looking, you know, working through the trauma, the unresolved trauma. Was that going to be hard? Yes. Um, sometimes it's still hard to talk about, you know, dealing with things like sexual and physical abuse, you know, the pain that comes with that, uh, bullying, the identity issues, all of these things, even as I say it now, it kind of like gives me a little, it wasn't going to be easy because those conversations open up a whole, it's almost like Pandora's box, but I'm like, I'm safe. And I, I have a team I have, I can trust myself and one day at a time. Cause it's very daunting when you kind of look at all of it and you're like, okay, I have to deal with all this in the next six months, week. I didn't even put a time on it. I'm like, today I'm going to do this. And that's what we're going to get through in this moment. I can get through this. And that's what we're going to look at. So it was one day at a time and one day at a time, putting one foot in front of the other, getting through this rather than trying to like find some type of secret way out of, out of this, what felt like a, a room. I kept on going to the door, opening it, closing it and walking away. No, I was going to open the door and go through this room and everything that was going to come up, I was going to deal with it and I was going to be okay. So that was another uh, big learning for me. Next was definitely family. Um, and, and if some people like, again, there's a lot of points where people are like, well, this is obvious. Um, but for me, family, um, family has always been very important. Um, but it's not always easy to have very vulnerable conversations with your family, depending on what your family dynamic is. And for me, when I was going through, like when I was in the hospital many times, when my body was like turning against me, the same closet that I record in was one of the closets I would go in and hide um, so that my husband wouldn't see me cry and have a full on meltdown. Um, the times that we had to go to the hospital, I would be telling him, no, you should just leave me here. I don't want to inconvenience you. When he would call my sister and she would try and talk to me, I would just be like mortified. These are people I love dearly and respect dearly, but I was so wrapped in shame that I wouldn't accept or receive their love or their you know, their care or their help. So for me, it was about having conversations that I had run away from. It was about having conversations about the shame I felt. It was about a lot like receiving and, and allowing them to help me, allowing them to support me because I never allowed it. I never, ever. And it started with family, same at work. Like there would be so many reviews where it's like fab you know has this great team around her and sometimes she takes on so much and i know why but you know we're here to help her it's it is a habit that i've had to work on because i never want to bother people i never want to inconvenience people i want people to feel great and i'll shoulder the burden of stress and i don't want them to deal with my stress or my issues so having those very the very vulnerable conversation with you know my very immediate family so my mom my sister and my hubby it was tough it was very tough because i was so used to pushing them away which is not easy either but that became easy for me because it was like so habitual for me so 
surrounding myself by them and really surrounding myself by them and allowing them. And it wasn't easy at first. Like there'd be times where the amount of times I would say sorry to my family in the middle of like full out, like what I know now were really bad anxiety attacks, but like in the hospital attached to a cardiac monitor, barely being able to catch my breath, my heart's going a million miles a minute and just saying, sorry, sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So going from that to being like, I need your help. Um, when I, I might, I might, you know, start crying because of this. I just need you to sit with me or be on the phone with me and, you know, just be like, it's going to be quiet, whatever that looked like. That was so awkward for me with people I trusted and loved the most. So it took some time, but having that conversation and just being like, this is who I am. This is what I've been dealing with. Having conversations with someone like my sister about stuff that had happened to me, like when I was five, six, seven years old, and now at 36, 37, telling her for the first time. And this is by like, my sister by far is my very best friend person. I trust the most in this world. So having that uncomfortable conversation, um, and same with my mother, like it was, it was a lot of uncomfortable conversations, but necessary conversations. And like saying it now, knowing that learning to receive their love, learning to receive their support, um, that was a learning and people were like, what the hell is wrong with you, Fab? Like, that's what family's for, but you have to understand like the trauma brain that, and, you know, learning more about the trauma mind. And again, I'm not a therapist, but I go out there a lot. Um, that was my survival again. And that was how I, that's how I adapted. You know, I adapted to situations and I didn't want to inconvenience people because I didn't want them to feel anything like I felt. I didn't want them to feel an inkling of the pain that I felt. So that was very big for me as well. So another big one. So I guess we're on six point or six kind of tool therapy, 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 therapy. So therapy is one of those things that, you know, again, there can be a lot of stigma around it, but I have, I have been working with a therapist since after my car accident, so 2007, but really started to work with one when I moved here. So, um, you guys have heard me talk about this before. Um, I've actually had my therapist, Joanna, on um, two episodes where we actually talk about fear. And then I also had the help um, and pseudotherapy from my naturopath. As I mentioned, um, she had had her own mental health battle. She had a failed suicide attempt. And in her practice, she... Um, in her um, naturopathic practice, she takes things from a mental health perspective, like she incorporates mental health significantly in her naturopathic practice. So I always kind of make the joke that I'm lucky enough to have two therapists. So therapy was something for me that, again, I have been seeing my therapist since 2015. But when we got to this point in my life, so late 2017, 2018, and parts of 2019, um, it was different conversations. It was going into places that we kind of touched before around trauma. Um, but it was really helping me mitigate through, um, the traumas and things that I was really, really struggling with the things that I'd never really 
fully addressed or there was certain points as i said in previous episodes where i i'm like oh this must be what a repressed um experience or memory feels like because there were certain things that came up where it was like i was hearing it and feeling it for the first time like it was just so jarring for me so while i i had been seeing a therapist for a few years here in alberta um, I definitely increased my therapy sessions. Um, I, as you guys heard, I increased the sessions with my naturopath, um, with also my MD, they were kind of working together. And then my naturopath was also, um, echoing a lot of the points I would discuss with her, not just the things I was talking with my, um, medical doctor with, but also what I was discussing with my therapist, Joanna. So those conversations, again, um, allowed me to just explore things a little bit differently, look at things a little bit differently. And it helped me start to look at and restructure a lot of the things around me. And what I mean by that is what was I consuming? Or sometimes my friends will hear me say what I was filling my cup with. Um, when you're in anxious times, when you're in a uh, trauma response, my default and sometimes the default of others is to automatically go to what we're used to. And for me, it was that survival um, when I was younger, but then it was just kind of that panic response. It was, you know, going on Dr. Google and reading more about a symptom I have and only looking at the negative stuff. And then that would just fuel more panic, more stress response, more things happening. So going through therapy, it naturally allowed me to, help me do the work that I knew needed to be done. So restructure how I was thinking, understanding the connection between the mind and the brain more, um, led me into reading more about, you know, mind brain connection and the separation between the mind and the brain. Um, cause I was always, I had always believed kind of, oh, I'm just at the mercy of my brain. This is something I have to deal with the rest of my life. But then learning different things about the mind and like the psychological side of things and the work of Carolyn Lee, for instance, is something that naturally, um, it just kind of naturally flowed into the, when I started to pivot and look at things differently, I naturally started to fill my cup with different things. So I stumbled upon and I, I I say that with air brackets because I don't think anything is by mistake Carolyn Leaf's work and if you're not familiar with her she is a phenomenal one of many phenomenal um mental health advocates she's a neuroscientist I remember when I first stumbled on her work I probably listened to about 10 of her podcast episodes in a row um it just all landed with me I was actually introduced to to her by seeing a video of her at um, Elevation Church. She did an interview with Steve Furtick and it was around fear. Um, and it just like, I was like, oh my God. And it was a lot of, it was very similar to the work I was talking about and doing with my therapist. So she was a great resource for me in terms of understanding, you know, that separation between mind and mind informing the brain and us controlling the mind. Uh, Byron Katie was another resource. Um, her, she's known for, it's literally called The Work. Um, Byron Katie herself having a mental breakdown at one point in her life and then coming out of it and the the work of Byron Katie. So there's a lot of different tools and techniques and it, and it just had me naturally start to look at what I was filling my cup with, um, 
what I was defaulting to and literally putting in that work because going back to what my doctor said, we were going to make very big changes in the brain. So from what I understood and what I came to continue to understand through reading, through research, through sessions is again, you know, things like dendrites and how habits and how thinking, how it's actual matter in our brains, like it's actual physical thing in our brain. But then we also have the ability to atrophy old thinking patterns and old habits like these dendrites um, and then creating new ones and new habits and feeding that. So I wanted to focus on what I could control and that is what I was filling my cup with. So I was trying my very best and it was interesting, you know, the more I got into mindfulness, the more I realized like how automatic the fear was. Automatic, again, going on Dr. Google and like laser focus on like the, the bad column versus looking at the big picture, um, watching the news and only pulling out the worst of it. And then wondering why I felt like I could barely catch my breath, literally and figuratively. So it just naturally transitioned into just, you know, wanting to learn more, like just craving more information as I was dealing with these traumas and dealing with these really painful truths and experiences I have, and now filling myself up with more knowledge and things that could really, really help me. And of course, having the amazing team um, of my therapist and my naturopath, and of course, you know, good friends and family. And there's so many, like Carolyn Leaf and Byron Katie are just two of the, um, um, I would say experts, but there's so many resources out there. Holistic psychologist is another one on Instagram that I follow in her work. Again, all of their work, very, very similar. So, and all of them have guests on their shows or their platforms that again, helps, you know, dive into this more. So it's just, it was so empowering. The more I moved into this and the more I leaned into this and leaning into it was, new for me leaning into it was something I was so afraid of the more I leaned into it little by little I would just learn and grow more and more so I'd say the last one that again from a high level um and number seven I like the number seven seven and three um was again that natural shift so out of all of this a natural shift back to what I love started to occur. And what I mean by that, I had mentioned in, in November 17th, part one and two episode that during this season, during this storm of my life, during this hurricane of my life, I stopped like the things that brought me joy, they stopped. They didn't bring me joy anymore. I was too afraid to do them. I was in positions where I'm like, I can't believe I'm afraid for this, but I was. And I was like a prisoner in my own house. So I always say that I kind of was quarantining before this pandemic during that season because I was like just crippled with fear, fear of something happening, fear of, you know, people seeing of me being exposed, people seeing me weak, you know, me having me, people like something happening and me having to rely on something and dare, you know, God forbid, ask for help. So I started to you know, recluse, I became a recluse uh, uh, with the things that I love, like going out with my friends. And, you know, I've been teaching spin for years and even that, and spin brings me so much joy, so much joy. And even that wasn't bringing me joy more. Even that I remember being on the bike and just being like, oh my God, am I going to get through this? And my heart, like there was moments where I was teaching and I felt like everyone could just see what I was feeling, like just my, my heart skipping beats and just 
my hands starting to shake and then even feeling like triggered by the loud music, something. And that loud music is usually what would just like that beat. I would say like ride that beat. And like the more the beats were, the more I'd get hype in the past, but it was, it was triggering a stress response because I, by that point, my central nervous system and things that usually wouldn't trigger me in the past were triggering me. So now that I was kind of taking, trying to own and putting in work in healing, learning and growing, you know, I I've gone through the first six. So, you know, with therapy and then it naturally beautifully transitioned into me taking baby steps into trying to do things that I loved again, you know, whether that be a walk, going to a spin class, um, before I got back on the stage and taught hanging out with people, all of these things sound simple, but again, they weren't simple when I was at the time, they weren't so simple and I just didn't do them anymore. And then really embracing the wellness lifestyle that I had adopted back in what, 2005, a wellness lifestyle for me, again, there were so many different things in, in a wellness lifestyle that, you know, part like having uh, my, my Sunday baths and the whole ritual around that. Anyone that my really good friends know, like my bath time is my bath time. Do not disturb. Like there's a whole ritual around it that even stopped. I remember my therapist even saying, she's like, oh my God, your Sunday bath time has stopped. Like, yeah, like my Sunday bath time stopped. So starting to really move back into the self-care, the self-love, because I've moved away from it because what again with the anxiety with the fear again was that shame so it's like the feelings that I don't deserve it the feeling that oh this is the reason I can't do it anymore is because I don't deserve it is because I'm too far gone it's all these stories right so moving more into the mind body soul practice and the whole like the wellness side of thing the my spiritual reconnection you know as I've said to you guys before growing up in a very strict brethren church um, and Carolyn Lee speaks about this, how that can sometimes be a contributor and it's not God, but again, the church, the institution of the church can sometimes, um, promote the whole feeling of fear, shame, and condemnation. And that's something for me personally that I struggled with is like, Oh, this is happening because I'm a horrible sinner and I deserve it. Punish, 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 shame, shame, shame. So re, you know, reconnecting spiritually and what that looked like for me, you know, releasing the thinking that I need to control everything and surrendering, letting go, letting flow, like going with it. And this was all new for me. So that natural shift, that was when I'm, all of these were, were kind of nerve wracking to a certain degree, but that one it really was nerve wracking because I had stopped because again, I remember being in an infrared sauna and like, Oh, can't handle it. Like I would just, I completely panicked. And I remember going for like my regular quarterly, um, spot, like it's a, a beautiful organic spa where I, it's so such an amazing experience, but I was lying on the table and I'm like, Karen, I have to get up. Like I was lying there and it felt like 50 pounds was on my chest and it felt like my, I just remember it felt like my airway was closing up and I'm like, Oh my God, is there something in the room I'm allergic to? Or, Oh my God. Like there was so many not okay feelings and thoughts going on. So even things like that, and some people be like, Oh, first world problems. But again, these were 
big parts of my overall wellness journey that I had embraced in 2005 that I'd completely gone away from because I was afraid because things were happening. So moving into that and just starting to really, really readopt, redefine, examine and sit in those moments of self-love. And that's where it started with me, self-love and really, really embracing that beyond the hashtag. Because again, we've seen hashtag self-love, hashtag self-care. I've thrown it up there. But what that meant and what that was going to mean going forward. And a lot of it was slowing down and observing and then leaning into it. And it, it, it's all of them, all like all six of the, or sorry, seven of these points that I've highlighted, they all just seamlessly move together. And whereas before I try and have them happen all at the same time, this time I just let the ebb and flow happen, which again, as a, as I say, as a recovering control freak, that was a process. So there was, there was a lot of undoing, a lot of unlearning and unlearning of not just the two years that I was in this, but from God knows, like the 30, excuse me, 30 plus years of unlearning, um, understanding about generational trauma and its effects on our family and on me and understanding that I was carrying a weight and a burden that was being carried throughout my family. So that's, of course, this was going to feel heavy and thick and sometimes impossible, but my friends, it was so worth it. And the beautiful thing is that the work continues. And at first I'm like, oh my God, this is never ending story, but I don't want this story to end. Like there life happens every day. And, you know, we're sitting in the middle of the pandemic and different things every single day can trigger old traumas, new traumas, whatever that looks like. So through this period, I was able to really just kind of look at things and understand how triggers work, understand why sometimes I'm feeling like this, like, what is this really about? And it's been such a journey. And I can't even like I when I say this, sometimes I'm like, Oh, my God, but I think back and I see why this happened. I'm not, again, and, and I say that from a healthy spot versus like, oh, this, de- I deserve this because again, I'm, I'm whatever, but I understand why it happened. And I, I just look at this and I embrace it because there has been so much learning and growing and that, that learning and growing and that healing is ongoing and continuing. And I'm sure, you know, with life, things will happen inevitably. And that's something I used to say. And like, get really emotional about, but things are going to happen and not all bad. Um, but things will happen. And I just feel like I'm in a much better place to hold them and to rather than have them happen, have them kind of land in my palm and dump it out, hold it and just sit with it, even when it's uncomfortable. And I feel like I'm a feeler. I'm an empath. I feel deeply. But I, where I used to think that was a curse, I now see and understand that is also a blessing. And listen, sometimes I'm feeling things. I'm like, this is the worst. This sucks. Like, you know, I'm consumed with emotions, but this journey has allowed me to just kind of, again, look at things differently and have conversations that I never had before. And you know, move through it rather than trying to go run away from it.
So that is a snippet, guys. That is kind of seven um, tips or seven, I don't want to say steps, seven things that I did or adopted um, as I was going through on the other side of the storm. So to help with the healing, with the learning and the growing. Um, Hopefully, again, like I poured my heart into this. Um, If there's something that resonated with you, um, awesome. If something didn't, that is totally fine as well. This was, again, just an opportunity, like the platform of this podcast to be a hundred percent, to be real, to be vulnerable, to be authentic and to share. Because again, as I said, there were times where I would in my kind of my information gathering, you know, there was other people out there, podcasts, blog posts, articles that I read of people just like me who shared similar things. It's like, I went through this and this is kind of how I got through it. So again, we are all going through stuff. You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic stuff is heavy. Shit sucks right now um, for a lot of people, but know that you're not alone. Know that it's okay to not be okay. And know that, you know, we do have everything we need to get through things. We just have to, sometimes it's about reaching out. And for those that can't reach out, you know, if there's someone in your family who you're noticing that they're a little bit off. Sometimes it's about reaching in if people can't reach out, right? You know, and reaching in from a gentle, empathetic standpoint. It's like, hey, are you okay? Like, and so I'm like, hey, how you doing? Like, are you okay? And, and hold space for that person, right? So my hope is that anyone listening, if you are feeling anxious, sad, alone, that you reach out. Um, or if you're someone listening and you get the sense that someone in that very close to you is feeling that you reach in, um, as always guys, I am super grateful for you taking the time to listen to me and again, sharing your journeys. I get messages from you guys of, you know, things that you relate to. So I really, really appreciate that. Um, with this being the official last episode, again, I have a season wrap up episode that is next. It's the last, last episode, but with this being the last, you know, full episode of the season, thank you guys so much for being here with me, for sharing with me, for giving me your ear, your radio, your iPod, whatever that looks like. I truly appreciate it. And there's definitely more to come in the new season. So thank you from my heart to yours. I truly, truly thank you. Um, as always, if you have questions, submit them via voice messages or send me a DM, um, social media. I'm at the fab collective on Instagram or at fab channer on Twitter. And of course, if you're so inclined to do so, um, like, or share this podcast, wherever you tune in. Thank you again, everyone for tuning in today. Um, tuning in for the season. I will definitely see you on the next episode. Bye guys.